Welcome to Vibrant Visionaries Season 2. I am welcoming back a guest who I had on Season 1 because, well, first of all, he was an awesome guest. And second of all, he started doing something really interesting almost right after <laughs> we spoke back in 2018. So I will introduce him and then we'll get all caught up. Please welcome David Weiner. Pleasure to be back, Heidi. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on, especially around October. You've got some specific, time-sensitive, cool, interesting things going on right now. And uh, yeah, since we last spoke, and I was just re-listening to the beginning of that conversation, I was thinking like, yeah, you know, when we, we last spoke, David was saying, well let's see, the umbrella term of what I do is I'm an entertainment journalist. And, you know, I, we can go through your couple of different projects from the past if you want to, but really you've moved into some fantastic new interesting things that I'd love to talk about. So why don't you just catch me and, and the listeners up? Sure. Yeah, that umbrella, I guess, you, you know, I definitely qualify as a jack of all trades, master of none at this point. My background is... Uh, primarily in entertainment journalism and, and film production. I went to film school. I came out to Los Angeles and worked on movies and TV and commercials and music videos and everything in between. Then I got into development and I kind of got caught up in the whole online circuitous route of dot-com bubbles expanding and bursting and, and being a casualty of that. And that sort of became the norm for me. Uh, and then ironically, uh, I, I ended up at Entertainment Tonight at ET Online for 13 straight years when I thought it would probably be a six-month gig. And uh, I learned quite a bit about navigating uh, behind the scenes of the entertainment industry when I worked at Entertainment Tonight. And after I left ET, I ended up uh, being the editor and the editor-in-chief or the executive editor of Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine, which is a magazine I really loved as a kid. And then I got just the dream job of being able to program and, and, and run that magazine. And then afterwards, I think that's when I spoke with you. I, I, I started It Came From Blog. Dot com, which was sort of my pop culture site. And right. uh, I was writing for LA Weekly and uh, I had this another dream gig writing for The Hollywood Reporter for Heat Vision, which is their sort of their more of their, their nerdy section of The Hollywood Reporter. And then this came along and uh, it, I'm now making uh, extended length documentaries about genre filmmaking. So I'm making uh, I made a movie called In Search of Darkness which was a four-and-a-half-hour exploration of 80s horror movies. Um, I now have In Search of Darkness Part 2 that is available and that we're pre-selling with uh, credits and all sorts of stuff I could talk about now. And then uh, I have another one, uh, In Search of Tomorrow, which is going to be another mega super doc. All of these are four to five hours, and that's going to be on 80s sci-fi movies. So... Yeah, things definitely got, uh, you know, I, I will credit you entirely, thanks to your <laughs> podcast. Uh, I definitely zigged instead of zagged and, and landed in a real fun, uh, entertaining and formidable job to do things that I really, really love. You know, I, when I was listening to that episode, and, uh, you know, I will uh, point people to it in case they want to, you know, go into the Wayback Machine and listen to our early conversation that sparked this whole Yeah, in the pre-COVID days, the pre-COVID <laughs> days, I remember those. Simpler times. <laughs> but yeah, we talked about your love of pop culture, your 
your love of genre, film, sci-fi, horror, and all of that stuff. And then with your background, with all the interviews you've logged and all the passion you have around speaking with Mm -hmm. the people behind the scenes and the actors and the directors. I specifically think about the people that I love listening to are the ones that talk about designing the creatures. Mm -hmm. And then of Mm -hmm. course, there's the sound design and the music and especially 80s horror. I mean, I know a lot of listeners are really into that and also into sci-fi. And I watched In Search of Darkness, the first one, over the course of a weekend and I just it just enveloped myself in it, you know and I it's my favorite kind of thing to do is to watch documentaries about behind the scenes and also what I felt like too that felt really special uh, the interviews that were conducted there were fans but it was a lot of the people that were responsible for these iconic roles, these iconic films, and all the other crafts folk. And they are such fans. Mm. You know, that really rang true, too, that they're fans of this genre and stuff. So, Indeed. Well, that, that's what makes this whole project super special, at least to me, in terms of the, the, the satisfaction of being able to put this together, is that, uh, you know, you get... John Carpenter, you've got Heather Langenkamp, uh, you've got uh, Cassandra Peterson, who plays Elvira. Uh, you have a lot of the uh, the directors, the writers, the actors, the special effects people. Uh, this time around, we've got Robert Englund, you know, from the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. You've got Tom Savini, who's a special effects legend, Linnea Quigley and Nancy Allen, all these people, what's cool about not only talking about their own projects and providing some fresh insights with perspective from being decades away from when these things came out and uh, how they captured the zeitgeist at the time. And now with you know hindsight being 2020 vision, sometimes you look at these movies differently. You know, Nancy Allen looks at Dress to Kill very differently, you know, because that's about a transsexual killer. And back then, uh, what that movie meant and what that movie means now are two entirely different things in terms of our understanding and and respect and appreciation for the trans community. So that's really cool stuff to have them talk about not only their films, but like you said, their their favorites, talking about what influenced them or just as as a as a moviegoer like everyone else, you know, sitting in a movie, what what thrills them, what excites them, what scares them. And uh, having a collective conversation with all these people is really what makes these In Search of movies special. Uh, This has become a dream job as well because I I invite all these people to sit down with me and talk for an hour or two, sometimes three, uh, and talk about all sorts of things, uh, you know, their movies and the movies they love and their influences and the foundations that inspired them. And, you know, it was only literally because of COVID and, and becoming uh, delayed with a lot of our production. It was only about uh, five or six weeks ago that I sat down with Robert England at his house to talk about his movies and his loves. Uh, we talked for three hours. I mean, he, he was starved for conversation, too, and he loves to talk. So it was quite the experience. This is <laughs> this is my dream come true. So when you're ready to hire on extra interviewers, I am down for yeah, it. right. <laughs> my <laughs> my brother uh, used to live in Southern California. Well, I'm from Southern California originally, from Seal Beach, but 
as a, a young man in his 20s, I guess, my brother went back down there and I just remembered he uh, worked at a pub and Robert England was a, a regular there. And he said he was just a real... He knows. Yeah. When I say he knows, Robert, Robert loves to talk. He's a very friendly, amiable guy who loves to spin a very detailed and descriptive tale. And uh, it's 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 wonderful. It's wonderful. He loves a captive audience, and he will keep you captive in the best possible way. So I can only imagine him at the corner, uh, you know, at a bar, you know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I've had dinner with him uh, actually two nights in a row when I was with Famous Monsters. We had a thing called the Silver Scream Fest. And Robert England and Heather Langenkamp and uh, other folks came up uh, to pay tribute to Wes Craven and, and share their movies. And uh, I had the privilege of, of sitting next to Robert uh, at dinner for two nights in a row. And <laughs> all I could say is I heard many a tale, sometimes a like a, a sailor's tale that I can't quite share. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's what strikes me when we were speaking last time, because you were working for different outlets and your interviews were kind of, they were spread out a bit, right? Some of them were in the magazine, some of them were digital, Mm -hmm. et cetera. And so now we get everything all in one place for these interviews. And like you said, there are these longer interviews and then they're interspersed, you know, so we get little bites of conversations throughout the four and a half hours. Um, so it, they're not just the sound bites or just the quick, I guess, turnarounds that you get at like a junket or something like that. These are, yes. The, so it's so, just so special. It's so, so special. <laughs> so, you know, I, yeah, I reached out to you. I was like, I got to hear about this. <laughs> well, you make a very specific, important point is a lot of these, a lot of these people who are promoting products, uh, usually it's a format where they don't get a lot of time to talk about whatever they, they want to talk about. Uh, you know, they have to promote the product, whatever their, their project is. Uh, and usually it's in a quick turnaround format and has to be kind of focused. And then sometimes they'll take questions. It depends what it is, but, um, people really, you know, their eyes really light up when they have an opportunity to talk about the things that they, they want to talk about and make them happy. And it's interesting to get the perspective of someone like Robert or even John Carpenter, which, uh, you know, in the first film, he talks about sort of the ones that, that did get away. He was supposed to, after he did the thing, he was supposed to direct Firestarter uh, and, uh, you know, the Stephen King adaptation. Mm-hmm. And he lost that job. Uh, I said, you know, you were supposed to do Firestarter after the thing, but you didn't. And he's like, well, because I was fired. And that's because the thing didn't do well at the box office. And we look back at The Thing Now, which was, for him, a remake of The Thing from Another World, which was produced by Howard Hawks. Right. That was just ahead of its time, like many of his films. And so he he did not hold back sharing his just disappointment with uh, a lot of the stumbles in his career, despite the fact that we all look at him as the ultimate, you know, icon and horror master. Yeah. And, I mean, The Thing is actually really for me, definitely in my top five all-time favorite films. And um, yeah, and I, I discussed it a bit on The Thing Minute, which is a podcast about <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> every single minute of The Thing. Typically, when I'm on these Movies by Minutes podcasts, I like to look at the movie I'm talking about, when, what year it came out, and what other things I was watching. Because I know with The th- 
the thing. I watched it when it came out on video mm. because I was probably too young to maybe go see it. But I saw, you know, several other films during that year. I think Eat since E.T. came out. That was a huge year. 82 is is a is a fabled year in, in cinema. So many great films, you know, uh, E.T., Blade Runner, Star Trek, The Wrath of Khan, uh, The Thing. I mean, it's just a... Uh, you go down the list and you're like, really? That came out this year? That They all came out in the same weekend? It's pretty crazy. Yeah. And for Blade Runner, that one really grabbed me in that I saw it, I think, three or four times in the theater. So, Oh, really? Yeah. It, it, it was funny because E.T. was actually <laughs> it was the first time I ever asked out somebody on a date. Uh-huh. I invited him to go see E.T. <laughs> and I did like it. And, it, you know, it does hold a special place in my heart. But as far as rewatches, I think, um, yeah, The Thing and... Blade Runner are part of my, you know, comfort movies that I go back to. And just- Fast Times at Ridgemont High came out that year. Yeah. Poltergeist, Creep Show. What else came out that year? Officer and a Gentleman. I mean, it was quite the year. Really good stuff. Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> That's a great one. Sophie, oh, Sophie's yeah. Choice. I mean, it's just uh, an embarrassment of, of cinematic riches. I, I have to tell you a fun story about E.T. for me, which was always amusing. I always think back... Um, you know, I didn't know much about it other than it's it's the new Steven Spielberg movie. And by that time, after seeing, you know, Jaws and, and Close Encounters, I was like, E.T., bring it on. This is going to be great. Um, and so I just went sight unseen knowing it was his next Alien movie, pretty much. And I remember, if you remember the beginning of E.T., when you first see E.T., you barely see him in the woods but he and the other ETs are just kind of waddling about mm-hmm. and you sort of get a, a piece of what they look like and you get sort of the silhouette, but something's definitely is, it is indeed very alien. And I remember the, there were these two girls in front of me and I was at a multiplex and they were watching this and they just said, Oh my God, this is terrible. I told you we should have seen Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> and then I remember they didn't leave. They stayed for the movie and they were bawling there eyes out by the end (laughs) and that always is just one of the most memorable moments of watching et other than the movie itself (laughs) yeah that's a good one and speaking of et i'm currently watching the um haunting of what is it called the haunting of blind Blind manor Manor. Uh yeah henry thomas is oh yeah so henry thomas right plays a pretty huge role in that as he did in the the earlier one the haunting of hill house henry thomas and d wallace who i've lined up among the many other folks to be in the cast of uh in search of tomorrow blade runner uh, I've already sat down with Sean Young talking about Blade Runner and awesome. Dune and even Baby Secret of the Lost Legend, if anyone remembers that. That's about a baby dinosaur, uh, brontosaurus in, in Africa that Sean Young and William Cat discover. <laughs> yeah, I remember the video cover of that more than if I ever saw it, which is another thing I really liked about the in search of where you zero in, you know, visually zero in on on the covers mm-hmm. because I think that's just so such a, a short, a wonderful visual shorthand to oh yeah that movie or oh yeah and and another thing I wanted to to just shout out that I really appreciated is that you know you discuss pretty much every iconic film of the genre in, in uh, the horror genre in the eighties, but also 
ones that are a little bit less mm -hmm. well known. So you kind of hit the, I, I felt like it was a real sweet spot where there were definitely a few. I was like, oh yeah, I've never heard of that one. Or, oh yeah, I've always been meaning to, or oh yeah, this is my favorite. You know, so I kind of, <laughs> I was just having a ball with that. Um, how, how did you choose those? Yeah. How did that come about? It's, uh, well, I'm glad that you responded that way because it's kind of like the ultimate curation tool for, for people who might not know all the movies. Um, you know, first and foremost, we just scratched the surface in a four and a half hour movie on 80s horror. There are just hundreds that came out, which is why we could do a part two because everything is brand new. Nothing is, uh, there's still more stones unturned. And, um, and so when we, when we went through all of the movies in from 19, you know, the, the, the structure for those who aren't familiar with the film is that we, we go from 1980 to 1989 where we cover uh, a, a nice handful of movies. And then in between we have larger context chapters about you know the heroes the villains the final girl the special effects the you know the soundtracks and the scores and sound design and things like that and um to me uh you know everybody knows the franchises but you might not have seen all the movies in the franchise and so we definitely allude to that kind of stuff but then I'll, you know hand in hand with that there are so many deep cuts there's so many more eclectic offerings there are so many things that you again like you said you you might not have seen but you might have heard about like for me like the hunger is one of my all-time favorite movies but not a lot of people have seen that and that's you know the vampire movie with uh, uh david bowie and susan sarandon and Catherine Deneuve, directed by tony scott ridley scott's brother it's such a great film and uh, to me it's a crime if i'm making a movie like this and i can't spend a couple minutes talking about that and and drawing to attention how cool it is and you know what it means in the context of the era and um, to me, ultimately, the movies that I chose, whether it was The Shining or whether it was A Company of Wolves or even The Howling 2, you know, if you have John, Joe Dante who did The Howling, which is such a great film, you know, what's his opinion on The Howling 2? Well, he, he's not going to pull punches when he shares his, his, <laughs> his diplomatic thoughts about it, you know, saying, well, I can tell you this, Christopher Lee apologized to me for doing it. You know, it's like um, those are those are great little moments. And I, I wanted to present a very even playing field and not be judgmental about these movies because all these movies fundamentally when it, it, they they're important to us for different reasons and it's not about what did better at the box office or what is what is recognized more critically uh than others as a as a great film or a good film it's more about well why do these movies resonate with all of us why does horror resonate with all of us why does the trip to the video store to pick out what you, you watched that weekend. Why is that important to us now? You know, because, because you don't get that experience anymore, you know, word of mouth, you know, watching something that you probably shouldn't have seen, but you were able to rent it or see it on cable. You know, we all have these sort of collective collective uh, experiences with each other. And that is sort of uh, very much part of the overall story. So it's not really just only about the movies, uh, and what they meant and what, what was fun about them or what was important about them. It's about the experience that, that many of us had who were there in the 80s. Or, you know, if you're younger and you, you were too young or you weren't even around for the 80s, 
I'm sure you're tired of hearing all of us uh, Gen X folks talk about how wonderful that era was. <laughs> this is kind of a glimpse into why it was important to us and whether or not you can connect to that. At least there's sort of a, an explanation as to why. Yeah. And when I think of the hunger, I mean, to me, that had a huge impact um, because I was a big fan of music and just being different and sexy and wild and beautifully shot and all of that stuff. You know, Anne Magnuson from Bong Water. That <laughs> right. Movie? Well, you mentioned the music. It's like, that's the first time I ever heard any Bauhaus. And yeah. I became a huge fan of Bella Lugosi's Dead from the opening sequence in that movie where. You know, they pick someone up at a club and take them home and, you know, do what they want with and <laughs> very cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in doing the podcast here and doing Vibrant Visionaries and, and because I am actually on quite a few other podcasts talking about films and it does usually end up being these um, films from the 80s. And a lot of times it's about horror films or just other, you know, popular films from the 80s and fandom and talking about these things, you know, there's other ways of doing it that can be very toxic. And we've got these filmmakers like Joe Dante and John Carpenter that, you know, they're being real about their experience. So they might be curmudgeonly sometimes or, you know, a bad mouth of an experience or something. Or I, I really was really intrigued by the different opinions and ideas around the words final girl. Mm -hmm. But there's this overarching, inclusive, positive joy that is there, even if you have a, a snarky opinion, I guess. Absolutely. Whatever you, wherever you're going, social media wise can definitely be exclusive and it could be condescending and it could definitely be clicky. And um, I think it's very important to, to suggest to people and, you know, not, not, not virtue signaling, not, uh, <laughs> not telling people how they should live their life and the opinions that they, they ought to have rather than ones they share. But I think if you could, you know, push back or redirect and just say, listen, you know, if you haven't heard of this or you're not a fan of it, listen, there are plenty of people who do, uh, enjoy this stuff, you know, and they're, they're, you know, for everything that there's negative stuff, there's positive things to find, especially when it comes to art, uh, if you look for it. And, uh, I think if you communicate in that way and just say, Hey, you haven't seen it. Well, you should because of this, and this is why I love it. And this is why people love it, whether you love it or not. Um, I think, uh, you know, you can, you can redirect the conversation and keep it positive and, one of the cool things that we're doing in addition to these documentaries is we're building online communities. And if you are a horror fan, if you're a sci-fi fan, uh, we have these communities on, on the Discord platform where people can not only interact, but they could go into other other sections of Discord and share collectibles or talk about specific movies and uh, carry you know create friendships online. And if you're in both of these uh, communities, we have watch parties where we have a Q and A, uh, oftentimes with the stars and the filmmakers and the creators of these movies that we love from the '80s. And it's a big watch party where everyone hits play. Uh, on their copy and uh, sometimes they do running commentary throughout we do and uh, it's just a, it's just a cool escape from the reality that we all kind of don't need to be doom scrolling through <laughs> every single day absolutely <laughs> nice to be able to to provide that but uh, on top of that a very welcoming and and, and enthusiastic and knowledgeable and intelligent 
uh, community, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's very cool. And that's the thing is I talk about this a lot on the podcast is like when you base um, your creative endeavors on what you value and set a certain tone of, you know, respect and sharing and, and camaraderie, then that touches, you know, every part of the project. So like, I'd feel excited to join that discord because I, you know, see how the film, film and films turned out and that there's a certain tone to them that feels very welcoming and fun and We've discussed In Search of Darkness 1, a little bit about In Search of Darkness 2. I'd love to know how everybody can get involved. And like I said, this is a bit time sensitive because you've got a campaign around this involved right now. So give us the scoop. Sure. Thanks. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to you know talk about this stuff. And uh, all people need to do is go to 80shorrordoc.com. Between now and the 31st of October, Halloween night, at the stroke of midnight, uh, you can you can buy In Search of Darkness. We're having a pre-sale, essentially, because while the film is done and I'm, I'm doing the polish on it and, uh, you know, graphics and sound mixing and color timing and just post-production things, um, we're using this, this opportunity to, if you want to get your credits in the movie, um, this is now now the time, and so you get you get your credit in the movie. You can get a, a package that has you know posters, three post three super cool posters, and you know enamel pin and digital download of the soundtrack and uh, digital download of the movie in search of darkness one. Sorry, in, in search of darkness two. And if you haven't seen in search of darkness one, you also get a digital download as well. Plus, you know, you're the, the 12 months of a season pass of this community, which is super cool. And so on top of that, if you if you want a physical copy of the film uh, of part one that you want to hold in your hands, there's an option of getting that as well. And um, anyway, we're, it, it, we're offering up a lot and it's between now and Halloween. And I think it's a pretty cool and attractive package, not only because uh, if you liked In Search of Darkness part one, In Search of Darkness two is a continuation of that. But we go all it, we, we have a more of a world view this time around. So whereas in search of darkness one, all the movies we covered were actually North American titles. Uh, I made a conscious decision not to go worldwide this time around. We, we have a whole chapter on Italian horror. Uh, we, we're, I talked to uh, Shinya Sukamoto, who is the director of Tetsuo, the Iron Man, which is quite a trippy film. Um, he was in Tokyo and I got to talk to him. Um, and we're, we're, you know, we're, we're profiling movies from, you know, Hong Kong and Australia and, and, uh, uh, New Zealand. It, it's definitely a world fest this time around. And uh, it's it's got pretty much everyone from the original film with brand new material and brand new takes, plus 15 new faces, including the likes of, like we said, you know, Robert Englund, Tom Sabini, uh, Linnea Quigley, Nancy Allen, uh, Getty Watanabe, and Robert Ressler, who were both in Vamp, and Robert Ressler was in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2. And Clancy Brown, uh, Geretta Geretta, who was in the the Italian film Demons and a lot of very fun uh, cult B movies. Jackie Kong, who directed Blood Diner and The Being. It's a real fun 
cast. It's a real fun collective, you know, uh, more effects people. We've got Stan, uh, Stan Winston's son, the late great Stan Winston's son, Matt Winston, who runs the Stan Winston school. Uh, he's there. Mm-hmm. Steve Johnson, who worked on everything from uh, American Werewolf in London to Night of the Demons. Um, and, and he was married to Linnea Quigley. They have a little story about how they first met and had a crush on each other. And he had to do a, uh, uh, make a mold out of her topless torso. (laughs) (laughs) Is that for Return of the Living Dead or for something? Yeah, she's in Return of the Living Dead. That was actually for Night of the Demons. Oh, cool. And, uh, so there are fun little stories, uh, there and fun little perspectives and, yeah, you go to 80shorrordoc.com or you can check out our socials on, you know, Facebook and Instagram and and Twitter at 80shorrordoc. And uh, all the information is there and just know that it's a ticking clock. We're we're only making this available through midnight on Halloween. There. I'm done I'm done being in pitch mode. Yeah, yeah. And thank you so much. And and again, like in case it's not clear, like you did not come to me about this. I was like, oh my God, I saw this first one. I want to tell people about the second one. I'm so excited people can, you know, opt into, you know, a package that includes both of them. And and it's because I'm I'm a big fan. And yeah, and just watching you on Twitter, I was like, uh, you know, a while back, I was like, hmm, now David's doing something a little different <laughs> yeah. and it seems pretty cool. And it kind of took me a while to get, get around to it. And, and then once I did, I was like, I gotta get, gotta get them on. So yeah, if this episode sounds a little more like targeted to sell a product, it's only because I think it's something really interesting that specifically the Vibrant Visionaries listeners would be excited about. And obviously you can tell I'm excited about it. <laughs> so I'm going to throw in a set of Ginsu knives if you're the first caller. <laughs> I think actually what what is what's cool, and I genuinely believe this, is that uh, we're selling an idea, um, and we're selling a time capsule, and we're selling community. Um, those are really what we are putting together. You know, we're a small team of uh, Creator VC is the company. It's run by uh, Robin Block, and he's the executive producer and. He put this wonderful team together uh, to do these movies, and um, we really have a by the fans for the fans ethos, and uh, we're doing it all ourselves. You know, we're not just sort of making this because we we think '80s horror is popular, so just create something and put it out there, and you know, not care afterwards. We're really trying to cultivate an audience and and a mindset. And uh, it takes a while to do, but I feel like with these movies, we're tapping into not only the nostalgia of the area era, but why, you know, why do people want to turn back to these things that, that made them happy? Why do they want to have a piece of it in some way, shape or form, whether it's a collectible or whether it's a movie? Um, you know, these are, these are a little more deep rooted. Uh, I'm, I'm the first person to, lie on the uh, the psychiatrist's couch about it because I live in the past happily and while I <laughs> I am I am connected to present reality I feel like we're uh, trafficking in nostalgia is kind of a good thing these days yeah I totally agree and I mean there are definitely things that are out and about right now that I'm enjoying by the time this episode comes out uh, Lovecraft country will have wrapped and that has been absolutely riveting and emotional and just gorgeous and 
just connecting to so many things that I love, but also telling stories I'm fully not familiar with and feel, you know, a real dedication to learning more about, you know, the Black American experience. But yeah, I also watched um, Poltergeist the other day and just re-watched that. That was great. I've got, I've always got... Um, spooky movies (laughs) that I love to return to and then um, documentaries about them or behind the scenes extras and all that. Yeah. Poltergeist really, really endures. It's such a great film. You know, the sequels uh, have their own merits, but it's kind of the law of diminishing returns. But I, I have to say it was, it was very cool for me to talk with Nancy Allen, who was the star of Poltergeist three talking about uh, working with the actress that played Carol Ann, who, who died young, um, Heather O'Rourke. Yeah, so talking about working with Heather O'Rourke and also Zelda Rubenstein and, <laughs> and talking about... What an icon. I have to laugh because she, she laughs talking about Zelda because Zelda was quite the pistol and also had several boyfriends, very handsome men, in her entourage and uh nancy was like yeah she was quite uh you know quite the magnet for the men <laughs> i had an absolute joy and pleasure being able to talk to uh many more folks this time around uh to add to the roster and get lots of great stories and i'm happy to share them wonderful well thank you so much for um getting on the mic again with me and sharing what this is all about and i look forward to to watching all the films as they come out and i'll certainly keep retweeting and sharing you know what you're up to and feel free to also send me any you know press releases or anything for future future things so i can stay up to date absolutely in the uh David Weiner verse. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate your your attention and your support and your enthusiasm. I, I I'm so glad that you continue to do what you do on your show. Um, I think it's a nice uh, alternative um, to what's uh, what's out there. You know, um, I like the fact that you you get philosophical and you like to sort of dig into the motivations of why people do what they do and uh, you know how their careers. Uh, sometimes you know, we, as we all know. There's, there's what you, what you, the plans you make, and then the plans life has for you. And uh, sometimes you go in directions that are definitely a a positive trajectory, and sometimes you get off the beaten path. So, I think everyone's stories are very interesting to see how they navigate the good and the bad. Yeah, absolutely. And this year has been a, a real testament to that uh, ability for us to to pivot and. Um, look at different ways to connect and through uh, discord, like you said, we have a discord channel for the vibrant visionaries as well. So Mm. I'm going to transition us into closing out this episode by just thanking you again, David, and check out the show notes for, for links to everything David mentioned and I'll also have a link to our Patreon. And when you join the Patreon for Vibrant Visionaries, you also get to hang out with us in the Discord channel. And those are good, safe, wonderful places. (laughs) Exactly. You know, (laughs) you know, you can find Vibrant Visionaries at vibrantvisionaries.com. And I'll share links to David's socials. Oh, cool. And uh, we'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening. 